0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing an expert in the area of textiles and fashion. Her name is Donna Bramhall, and she has a website called how culture, fashion, and uh, you know, speaking of fashion and textiles, I'm actually here in Quito, Ecuador, which is one of the major hubs for fashion and textiles in South America. They actually have a market every Saturday in Otavalo, so i was just uh, here uh, uh, walking around the market, checking out all the beautiful Ecuadorian indigenous uh, textiles. So a very, uh, it's not one of my areas of expertise, but definitely I'm looking forward to learning more from Donna. Um, so Donna, to start off with. Uh, Why don't we get to know you a little bit better? You're originally from uh, Sheffield in the UK, you're in Bangkok, Thailand, you're going to Hanoi, Vietnam in a few days. I'm from Vancouver BC and uh, I've lived in London, England and now I'm here in Quito, Ecuador. So we definitely covered a lot of countries just in this interview alone. But we'd love to hear a bit about yourself if you want to share a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Originally started um, doing Oak Culture Fashion, the blog, just about two years ago um, to record my journeys um, around uh, traveling Southeast Asia to learn about um, fashion, textiles, um, traditional dress, and like um, traditional visual identities as well. And that all came about because I'd been living in Vietnam for two years prior to that. And that was like my first time I ever saw. A indigenous uh, person or ethnic minority person um, wearing their traditional clothes because Vietnam has over. 54 different ethnic minorities and so for me this was like really really exciting because being from the UK all everything is you know like kind of mass-produced fashion is everything is imported and yeah I mean like you know it's a fashionable country in terms of style but we don't even have our own like national costume anymore so um, anything that I'd ever seen to do with like traditional textiles and dress and uh, tribes and different cultures had all been you know in National Geographic and you know or on Pinterest or something like this so when I first came to Vietnam I was really really blown away by the, like, the artisans that are here and the, the way that the, the women especially looked um, in the different hill tribe communities um, and so that fascinated me and, and I went on to do more research about different fashion and textiles in Southeast Asia and then decided um, that I was going to finish my job for a year and travel around Southeast Asia and East Asia as well to learn more about it. And in that time, my blog has grown very, very successful amongst like the audience of people that were also passionate about those things. And um, yeah. And then next in the next two weeks, I'm about to do my first ever textile tour of North Vietnam. And today, I am in Bangkok, just before a day before I go up to Chiang Mai. And I do the preparation for my Thailand textile tour, which is in January.
0: Sounds phenomenal. You know, uh, definitely a unique uh, a part of uh, travel and a unique way of uh, generating income. And something we haven't covered on a show before. We've covered a few different tours, but uh, never have a textile tour.
1: I can't hear anything that you're saying, Ricky. It's completely gone. Uh, uh,
0: uh, how's, how's that now?
1: Uh, can you repeat the question? Because I missed most of that. I couldn't really hear anything.
0: This oh, is about the internet, everyone. I'm in Ecuador, so um, the, I think the hotel I'm in doesn't have that great Wi Fi, and this is the struggle of all digital nomads You find good Wi Fi. So, uh, what I was asking Donna, uh, Tell us more about the tours. Um, um, you know, you're doing a over there in Vietnam in a few weeks and you're going to be doing one in Thailand. So walk us through what does the tour look like, uh, unique things you do on the tour.
1: Okay, yeah, uh, the tours are basically um, I'm connecting people with the artisans that I've already met before and I've already worked with before when I was doing it kind of by myself. And the idea of the tour is to, um, you know, invite foreigners to come and experience hands on textile workshops with the different ethnic minority women, um, artisans that I've been working with already, so um, we have a variety of different like um, experiences, so making jewellery with the Louvre people, um, making hemp and natural indigo batik bags with the Hmong people, doing uh, embroidery, embroidered purses with the Zhao people, um, and uh, making yeah making a bracelet as well with the with the Hani people. Who are a really elusive group right on the border just like a couple of kilometers away from the chinese border um so we're going into like very remote villages um and uh, working with these women that are super happy to share their skills with us and to um you know be able to get the be around other women especially that are uh, you know appreciate the different time, uh, the amount of time and effort and energy that it goes into uh, making the traditional uh, clothes. Um, And then part of the tour as well which is really important to me is that I uh, use 50% of the profits from the tour to continue to invest in projects with those women in those villages after we've gone. So looking at ways that we can continue to develop the products that people are making um, on the tour but actually in the future put those products on sale online or sell them wholesale um, so that we can continue to employ those women to preserve their traditional textiles and make a living from it. So that's that's the, the main crux really because before I was doing the tours and I was just kind of blogging about my own experience it felt very kind of, I mean it was very exciting but when you're working with um, you know, a lot of people that live in remote communities that sometimes don't have electricity or they don't have enough food to eat um, but they have amazing skills that can really, um, uh, you know, the, the, the potential of their skills can, there's a market for it which, you know, if, if they can be connected to that market will allow their products to bring them into a more prosperous life and that, you know for over a year i was kind of going in and out of these communities and seeing the same problems or the same situation over and over again and because of my past experiences you know i've been a um, a fashion and textiles lecturer for over nearly 10 years sorry and um you know i know that i've got the skills that i can help these people improve the quality of the products help them redesign some of the products so that they're using the same techniques and the same style but um that are gonna work more gonna be more saleable for um the market and i know that i've got those skills and that i can connect uh, other people that are have really appreciating those skills that those women can do and also want to invest in that so um I was I had a certain amount of um, guilt really because I was kind of like seeing the same situation over and over again and and I wasn't feeling more inspired I was feeling like I was I, I was in a situation where I was feeling like I was taking I was taking photographs I was taking interviews I was I was uh, taking products I mean by taking I was asking permission and buying these things of course but I wasn't giving anything back and I was building close relationships with these women and you know they were showing me these amazing things and I just wanted to see if I could do something that could you know um, help them make the most uh, financially out of their skills whilst like preserving their traditional textile techniques because you know, it's um, as, as uh, the modern world encroaches on these villages, then those, those things are beginning to fade uh, in some places a lot quicker than in others, but definitely beginning to fade, so um, you know, villages are, are, you know, they start by saving their traditional dress from day to day to just wearing it for special occasions, and then they start to wear regular clothes every, every single day that you and I might wear, um, you know, that's imported from China or wherever and then gradually you know because they're not making those clothes every single day, every month, every week um, then those skills are being lost from generation to generation and um, so I just wanted to try and create some kind of incentive within the villages for the older women to train the younger women um, and and for those uh, traditional textile techniques to continue because it's, it's Giving them financial benefit to their to their villages and to their families, um, so that's that's kind of what I'm working on at the moment in Vietnam and uh, in in Thailand.
0: Definitely sounds amazing. Um, so for those of us who are maybe as passionate about textiles as you, but like to travel because all of us who travel a lot we are exposed to it. Uh, maybe give us a quick overview of how. We can appreciate the local dress, the fashion, the textiles when we're traveling.
1: How you can appreciate it? Um, I th- like. I think one of the best things to do is to do homestay experiences um, and actually connect with with families. And um, if if they do have traditional dress, or if you know about their their culture before you go and stay with them, then you can ask them about it. Um, And then most often, um, I mean I don't know what it's like in in Central and South America, but I I believe it's very similar to it in Asian countries, so they will have um, a set of those traditional clothes, um, you know, saved away for um, you know, popular holidays or religious ceremonies or weddings or funerals or things like this. And then, you know, just ask the, ask them to show you them and explain the, the, the process. How long does it take to make? What kind of technique is it that they're using? And, um, you know, and, and then you just, you know, get up close to it and, and ask questions from the people that have, that have made it. Um it's a little bit harder to do that when you're you know like where you are right now, where there's a big market, yeah, obviously you you can you can see it, but getting that real appreciation for it when there's so much of it around, and you know there's some sometimes as well you know there's you, it's hard for people that aren't um familiar. Um, with the textile techniques and processes to be able to identify the difference between something that's been made by machine and something that's been made by hand. But if you, um, you know, do get a chance to actually talk to the artisans, one of one of the most important questions that you can ask is how long did it take to make? So if you want to buy something and they and you know and they say you know it's fifty dollars or it's one hundred and fifty dollars or whatever, then you can say how long did it take to make, and um, and you know and then they'll be able to break down that process. Unless they didn't make it and it is you know something that's been that's been imported, and then you know where to spend your money and where not not to kind of spend your money. Um, more often than not, the price that you are quoted for any kind of traditional dress um, or a textile sample is Far, far below what it should, um, what you should, what you should pay for it. So um, I always encourage people really not to, not to barter when it comes to like traditional, traditional textiles and clothes because more often than not they've taken months, months of of labour to make.
0: Yeah, definitely, you don't want to devalue uh, all this uh, hard work, effort, and energy that the you know the indigenous or the tribal people are putting into, um, and they're already probably selling it at too low a price considering the time they put in, so great tips there. Um, so tell us more about the site. Uh, you have a site where you actually, you can learn more about uh, hot culture fashion. Uh, what does the term mean? Uh, the, uh, maybe define the term for us. How did you come yeah. up with the name? I
1: w- I w- Haute couture is French for high fashion. Um so I just changed it from that to haute culture fashion. Um and that's just basically talking about like you know a play on words between couture and culture in terms of like The textile techniques and processes that are used by a lot of these indigenous communities are take as much time as haute couture fashion. So um, you know the the kind of like cultural value and. The, the financial value should be like the the, the same, really. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a play on words, saying that the the garments and the textile techniques that a lot of these indigenous communities that I that I visit, how they um, are just as uh, experienced and just as valuable as high fashion from France. Um, so yeah, that's how I, that's how I came up with the name.
0: Awesome, sounds good. Uh, our daughter is actually a fashionista herself and she has a question for you. What's your question? What's
1: your favorite fashion? What's my favorite fashion? Well, actually, my favorite fashion is um, to do with a Vietnamese Um, part of Vietnamese culture called uh, the Four Palaces and the Mother Goddess. And I actually have a pair of these shoes on now, so I bought them the other day, I don't know if you can see. But these are hand embroidered slippers that are used in um, the Mother Goddess faith. And and they've got dragons on them and um, the sun and the moon and different elements from uh, nature. And um, it's a very, very Fun. It's it's not really a religion, it, it's very, it's very different, difficult to explain, <laughs> even, even to me, um, it's very difficult subject to explain, it's not really a religion, it's more like kind of folk storytelling and it has a spiritual aspect to it because it relates to their ancestors, um, but it's kind of this mixture, mixture of spirituality um, and uh, storytelling and theatre. And they have all these amazing, beautiful, hand-embroidered, um, colourful, um, traditional robes and costumes and props. And that is definitely, I think, my my favourite, my favourite fashion, as we would say. I, I buy a lot from this shop that I go to in, in Hanoi, and I really like it.
0: Well, Vietnamese people think it's crazy. Up. Two thumbs up for our family for those shoes. Definitely very beautiful. <laughs> You have a follow up question, Rianne?
1: Uh, what's your favorite country? What's my favorite country? I really, really love Japan. Japan was, was my favorite country that I've been Daddy. to so far. And I also fell in love with Bali in Indonesia. I didn't spend any, any go to any other country in Indonesia but Bali was so incredibly beautiful and, uh, I yeah. was an amazing country
0: and what and about I... you?
1: What was your favorite?
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Dubai. Which one? Dubai. Dubai! I've never been there. What did you like about Dubai? Um. Do they have good fashion there?
0: Do they have good fashion in Dubai? <laughs> yeah, they do. They're very. Uh, they they have a lot of money. Uh, so they have a lot of money yeah. to spend on fashion. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the I mean, it, the, definitely the the women. Uh, when you walk around Dubai, especially in the there's new Dubai and old Dubai, old Dubai is very conservative, very Islamic Muslim. New Dubai is hot, hot and happening. Definitely very uh, fashionable. Uh, so uh, yeah, maybe definitely. Yes, uh, our daughter says maybe you should check it out because you're passionate okay. about travel, uh, fashion. <laughs> Uh, To end off here Donna, uh, tell us about your vision for the future. You're based in Vietnam. You're doing these tours in Thailand and Vietnam. Uh, You have a successful blog. Um, Tell us more about the future in terms of the next few years and beyond for yourself, your blog, and your travels.
1: Well, I, I'm really, really busy, and I'm so I really appreciate the fact that we managed to do this interview today because it's it's really, really hard for me to say where I'm going to be from one day to the next at the moment. But um, uh, yeah, I'm in mean, uh, Thailand and Vietnam until um, the beginning of October, and I'm going back to the UK um, just to uh, see my friends and family for a couple of weeks. Before then, I go out to Mexico at the end of October to work with a tour company um, on, a fest- on for the Day of the Dead Festival and also to potentially develop a tour which is based around Frida Kahlo's wardrobe, so Frida Kahlo's uh, fashion. Uh, so that's what I'm doing until then. Uh, then in um, December I'm off to Bolivia Uh, back to Thailand in January to run my tour and then from February I start to work for LATAM Airlines So I I won a competition last year to get three months paid travel um, with LATAM Airlines which is one of South America's biggest airline companies and um, Yeah, they're they're paying for me to travel Brazil, Peru and Colombia for three months uh, to write about traditional textiles and traditional dress and, and fashion So I'm doing that all the way up until um, May, I'm doing that all the way up until May and and then after that I'm not really quite, I'm not quite sure, Uh, I'll probably just kind of chill out in Central and South America for a little bit.